Baseball 365 podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Good afternoon, or it is here as we're recording right now. Welcome to the Baseball 365 podcast, and I am here today with Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how's it going, man? Going good. Yeah, well, this is kind of nice to get home in the afternoon and actually get a podcast recorded today. A little different than our typical 8 or 9 o'clock time that we're usually recording. See some daylight outside. Yeah, no kidding. Well, on this episode, number 19, if I didn't say that yet, Andrew and I are going to talk about the news of the week, and we're going to also discuss a few players we've changed our minds on the most in the early going of the season. And this is the first of two episodes that we're recording this week. We're going to do another one pretty shortly afterwards, talking about the hot start players, just like we talked about the ones who were struggling last week. Andrew, before we get started, I thought I'd ask... Uh, we're a month in. How are your teams doing, your dynasty and redraft teams? How are you doing so far? Uh, pretty good overall. I'm pretty happy with it. I couple dynasty leagues. I'm, my contention windows now, I'm doing pretty good. One, I'm in like a full rebuild, so that one's kind of, uh, I, I kind of don't care. And then the other one is kind of, I'm kind of like in a transition period probably um i'm i'm like in the middle just like my team's overperformed a little bit but it's close but it's not quite there probably about a year out but uh it's looking good right now so yeah happy with those redraft teams for the most part are doing good i've got one that's really struggling just bad pitching but overall pretty good i'm pretty happy with it what about you terrible (laughs) Terrible so far. Uh, Dynasty leagues are, you know, I've got young teams that hoping to make a step up or start the process in Rotomasters 2 of moving up a little bit. I haven't quite got there, but I'm I'm not competing yet, so it doesn't really bother me. My I'm hoping that I can really. 2020 is the year where I've really been targeting to hope to make some noise make some noise but this year i was hoping to kind of get to the middle i might not get there this year but there's a few setbacks other dynasty my startup that i said i we talked about i'm down there in the lower end but i've had some young players overperform, so i'm pretty happy with where that one is in the redraft auction league i am in last place as injuries have crippled me in pitching and hitting over there and it's just it's been a lot i have Kershaw on that team. I've got oh Andujar, Rudnetto Door. Let's see who else have I had that's just been Corbin Burns was one of my late picks. I was hoping I'd hit on that hasn't gone well. Syndergaard's off to a terrible start. It's it's just not been pretty for that team roster. Um, just is what it is. And then the draft and hold league. I'm in the middle. I'm doing okay there, but. Oddly enough, I went pitching early, and that's what's let me down with Chris Sale and Severino being my co-aces. That's been pretty rough, but maybe maybe Severino will get back in a month and Sale will start pitching well, and I can hang in there for now because my hitting has overperformed. That's been the nice part on that team, hence why I'm in the middle. I feel like it's so tough when you when you start off slow. It's just you like wait so long for the season, and then like – I know it's really early still, and it's probably not too much to make of these standings, but it's it's tough, like, just looking at that, you know, because you're looking at it every day. I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You know, 
And the theme this month for so many people has been injuries. It seems like everybody is injured right now. And how bad have the injuries been for your team so far? Um, kind of a mixed bag. I'm like kind of in the middle, I would say. I mean, I no, probably no worse than anyone else. I've had a few teams where it's piled up a little bit, like my one dynasty team in Roto Masters one. I've got Stanton, Lindor. Well, Lindor's back now. Dahl was out for a little bit. And then I've got Kershaw there. So, you know, some of that's back now, but just kind of a rough go here at first. And there's other teams, but it, I, I feel like it's um, not horrible compared to what I've heard some people say they've had to deal with. It, it isn't like I'm injury-free, but I wouldn't say I'm in the worst of shape. <laughs> That's the thing. You can have a couple injuries and actually be doing well if they're just mid-round guys. It's yeah. so brutal right now. So, so many stars are hurt and have been getting hurt in the early going. and It just feels, it feels like the, it's bigger names that are hurt this year than previous years. Guys who have been going earlier. Yeah, it can be tough. Just got to patch it as good as you can. And before I get into the news, I haven't mentioned this in a while, probably been a month, but the best way you guys can support this podcast is by leaving us a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us get our name and platform out there for more listeners. And if you could take a moment, a few minutes out of your time, leave us a review, it would be really appreciated. All right, let's get on to the news. Let's start with the headliner. It is finally here, Andrew. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It was announced on Wednesday that Vlad Jr. is being called up and will start for the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday. First question, Andrew. I know you work till 7, 8 o'clock, I think 8 o'clock on Fridays. How distracted are you going to be at work tomorrow at 6 p.m.? Uh, I won't be doing much, uh, probably. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a lot of times, like, towards the evening anyways, it kind of dies off. But, uh, yeah, I'll be paying attention for sure. Someone's going to want to come in and close on a car right then tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah probably. But um, uh, second and more serious question, we're 25 games into the season, which I was counting it up. I went and looked it up. That means Toronto's got 137 games left to play. And let's assume Vlad stays healthy, plays something like 130 games the rest of the year. Let's just throw some darts out there. Give me a stat line on what you think he'll do the rest of the year. Uh, 300. I think he'll hit 300 or right around, you know, give or take. Home runs, I would say mid to upper 20s, maybe, somewhere in there. I think the power will be there, especially with the ball and stuff. And then runs and ribbies, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pr- – that those are hard to predict. But, yeah, somewhere in there, 300 with good power. I mean, I, I think he's going to be good out of the gate. I went above you on the batting average. I put 315. I'm going to shoot for – yeah. The guy's just going to be the best hitter in the American leagues from day one. I think. I mean, honestly, honestly, like if he hit three forty, I, w- I wouldn't even be shocked. I, mean, I wouldn't no. predict that, of course. But um, yeah, it's. I feel like I'm almost being conservative, saying three hundred. So yeah, I, some people would look at that and say that's ridiculous. But yeah, I think yeah. if you follow him, 
And you even see what steamer have him at. Didn't I remember they had him leading the American League in, in batting average this year? That I do yeah. remember. 306. 306. So I'm yeah. even higher than steamer. Maybe that means I'm being too. They, low. Um, I really do feel like the only thing that's going to slow him down t- much is just being banged up. You know, like if he's injured or something like that. But if he's healthy and he's playing, he's going to hit. I mean, we have no reason to think otherwise. And it's going to be a jolt into the guys around him in the lineup. The runs in RBI should be better with a guy like that in the lineup. It's better for everybody when you have guys around you who can get on base at the rate that that guy has. I put 24 home runs. That one's the one I feel like I'm being kind of conservative with. But I think I think I said before over a full season he was a thirty home run bat, which maybe that twenty four should be twenty five or twenty six. But power should be there. He's got it. Yeah, he was pacing for that last year in the minor leagues with the non juice ball. We might be conservative with that. It wouldn't shock me at all if he hit thirty home runs this year. He has the yeah, power it's, for it. it's exciting for uh, fans in Toronto too. I'm I'm happy for him. It's good time for baseball. Yep. And we'll move on to some sad news for the next one and stay with the same team. And that's with Bo Bichette. And uh, he broke his hand getting hit by a pitch on Monday night. He's going for a second opinion. So we don't have a timetable yet for how long he's going to be out. But, Andrew, if I recall before the season, I said I didn't think we'd see him this year. And I was starting to feel differently. I, I know the Blue Jays held Vlad down, but... The way he was hitting, I really thought maybe with Vlad up, they were just going to bring him up also. If he's going to be out for, I don't know, two or three months, this gives the Blue Jays management a built-in excuse for why they should leave him down in AAA. That just, that sucks. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him this year. It does suck, but I I always kind of felt like we were probably, it was kind of closer to 2020 anyways. I mean, maybe you get a month out of him at the end, but now there's probably a less chance of that happening. Maybe there isn't, though, too. I mean, if even if he's out four to six weeks or whatever, is that what they said? Or is it that I haven't heard that a little a little more? I guess maybe. Yeah, I haven't heard anything official, but um, yeah, it's just I don't know how much it affects it. You just wait and see the timeline. But I wasn't expecting him to play much this year in the majors, anyway. So. I don't think he would have gotten a month regardless unless he came up and struggled. I think he either would have been up in June or July or not at all. With the way the game's played, you don't yeah. bring up your stars in September anymore because yeah. of the service time issues. You might, if you're going to keep them down in September, you might as well wait till mid-April and get that extra year. But I, I was really starting to think there was a chance we might see him in June or July, but that's not going to be the case probably if because if he's out two to three months – Already takes him past that time. Yeah. Yeah, it'll probably be next year. All right, we'll move on to Colorado. And surprisingly, Daniel Murphy's already back from the avulsion fracture that he had in his finger. And now that all the Rockies are back and healthy, the question is who's going to take the hit in playing time? And on Monday and Tuesday night, McMahon was back to playing second base after playing first the majority of the time Murphy was out. And Mark Reynolds has been on first. And on Wednesday, Murphy was activated, and he's back at first. And Hampson, for three games in a row, has been on the bench with McMahon at second base. I'm incredibly nervous for Hampson owners. I think at this point, I don't remember where we had him on the panicle meter last week, but 
I've got him at a 10 now after all of these changes. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as it was a week ago. I I can't believe how fast Murphy came back. I mean, that's just, it was way faster than they acted like initially. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, it sucks, but it is what it is, I guess. So let's say you, pl- I think Hampson at this point may be a cut in 12 team leagues. Would you agree with that on in a 12 teamer? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Depending on your options. I, what's funny is, is I actually own Murphy. I, I don't know, like I don't have it all in front of me, but I think I own Murphy in as many leagues as I own Hampson or close. It's right about the same. So I'm happy Murphy's back. I mean, I, cause I have shares of him, but you know, at, at McMahon's expense, I mean, kind of sucks, but yeah, McMahon, got one McMahon, or uh, at Hampson's expense, if I said McMahon. Hampson just hasn't taken advantage, full advantage of his opportunity. It it hasn't been a lot of opportunity, but it just has to be there when you're in a situation like this. Yeah, I think there's a good chance we see Hampson. Well, he could be in AAA here by the end of the week. I, I mean, they sent Pat Valeka back, so maybe that means he back down, so maybe that means Hampson is going to stay up, but there's a chance. I mean, he's what he has going for him is he's play, he plays lots of positions, but he could be down, which that's unfortunately one that so far we don't look good for really feeling good about him before the year. But, hey, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, no doubt. Seems like Tap, Tappy has been playing all right, too. I mean, yeah, I think some of that is probably not going to continue. But I know there was a couple games in a row there this week or – you know, late last week, maybe it was over the weekend where he hit a couple bombs and I'm like, God, that's all we need. You know, uh-huh. like, I thought the same, <laughs> just, just like, come on. No, I, th- I think he hit two bombs, two games in a row and he had a yeah. big triple or something the next day. And I think that was all early this week, maybe started on Sunday, but yeah, yeah. he's been driving the ball. Next up, Danny Duffy is going to be back and starting on Friday night versus the Angels. In his one and only rehab outing, he struck out seven with one unearned run in five and a third innings. This guy's available in over 60% of fantasy leagues. How interested would would you be in him if he was on the wire, Andrew? Um, I'd probably give him a look, but I would probably want to see it once or twice. It just depends on how deep your league is. I actually own him in Roto Masters 3 where I'm just rebuilding this year. So hoping to get, you know, just have him build some value back. I, I've always kind of liked him. I think it's because I, uh, I owned him that one year where he just went nuts. I think it was 2016. He helped me uh, win a league that year. So I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. But I, I understand that, he hasn't been as good lately, but he's also not as, you know, doesn't cost anything. It's one of those things I'd probably see a starter too. And, or if you can get him cheap for a buck or something beforehand, do it. But yeah, probably, probably if 15, you, 15 team leagues, you know, and up, I, I don't think I'd mess with him in a 12 team or at least until he starts doing it. If you drafted, or if you picked up Homer Bailey off a of fab this past weekend and watched him get lit up on Monday, that's a guy to drop and go pick up Duffy. Go pick up his teammate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cedric Mullins, his horrific start to the season has been put out of its misery. 
The Baltimore Orioles sent him down to AAA after a 0.94 batting average and 181 on-base percentage and 74 at-bats with the big club this year. This feels like a clear-cut drop in redraft leagues, but what about dynasty leagues, Andrew? Would you be selling or would you be holding or try him in leagues? And if you don't have him, is that a guy who you'd consider going out there and trying to buy at a cheap price? Uh, it all just depends on how, like, what you would get for him. I cut him in uh, 15 teamer redraft this past Sunday. I think I cut him for Duggar in that league. But, yeah, it's just time to move on, I think, in redraft. In Dynasty, I'd probably just hang on to him. But if somebody's willing to give you something valuable for him, or I can't imagine they would. That's the thing. I, mm-hmm. I'd probably just hold on to him in Dynasty. I, I do have him in, uh, in one Dynasty league. or Actually, I've got him in a couple Dynasty leagues. And, one, I'm just rebuilding, so I'll just hold on to him. And the other one, I, I can still stash him in my minors for a little longer. So you're not going to get anything for him. It's kind of pointless to sell him unless somebody surprises you with an offer. That I was sitting there thinking of it this way. Maybe you're a competitive team, and he's back in the minor leagues, and you can throw him in a minor league slot. You could go to an owner who's got him if you believe that he still has something in him and say, hey, I'll give you a, I don't know, second, third round draft pick pick for him. Maybe you think you'll be picking at the late second or late third. That might be something that a savvy team could do and get a bat that could be back up and contributing at some point this year. Yeah, he's he's just looked so bad. I It's kind of just hands off for me until he, you see something. It, he's just been awful. It's been I mean, liter- literally like the worst hitter in the league. I mean, he's just been terrible. Well, Next up, Matt Shoemaker had a great start to the season. I had grabbed him in two leagues, but now he's got a torn ACL and is out for the year. Bummer for his fantasy owners. I don't think you had any shares, did you, Andrew? No, it is a bummer. Um, Seemed like he was on his way to potentially having a helpful season or at least portion of the season. That said, I can't imagine. I know that we all kind of need help right now because of injuries and stuff like that but I can't imagine that a team losing Matt Shoemaker is going to is going to ruin their season I mean it's he was undrafted in most leagues anyways so I just it's like one of those things where yeah you got pumped about it a week in and then three four weeks in you get that news it was a short ride of it was you know a short high but I uh, I can't imagine it's going to doom any team. Well, you obviously hadn't seen my auction league team that is absolutely terrible. And he <laughs> was the one pitcher that I had that was pitching. <laughs> yeah, it's Sad- fair. Sadly, on uh, a team where I was very desperate for pitching is where he went down. And then I had him in Rotomasters too. And, well, I um, got a deep DL. And that team, honestly, hasn't been hurt too bad with injuries so far this year. So. I'll stash him there and probably throw him back a year from now. Yeah, but, he show he shows flashes. It's weird. He just yep. He just can't ever stay healthy. That's a Tough. shame. This was like a fluky one too. It wasn't even anything arm related or anything. Well, the Braves' merry-go-round continues. Tuki Toussaint was the next man up for the Atlanta, and after getting beaten around for seven runs in an inning and a third on Saturday, he was optioned down. And I personally really haven't been a Tukey guy. 
most of this time. I think I mentioned the preseason when we were talking about the pitchers on that pitcher ranking podcast when we got to him that he had 21 walks in those 32 impressive innings that had people excited last year. Really wasn't a guy for me just because of that. I'm like, okay, that that screams regression. I know he's got nasty stuff, but always felt like he's a bullpen arm. But I think the real news here is that Mike Soroka should be sticking around for us as a starter for a while. He pitched on Wednesday, and I was just looking it up. He had five and two-thirds innings with one run, five hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. Pretty solid performance and got the win. I I hear a lot of people talk about him and think that he's the best option of those young arms for the rotation spot that the Braves have at the back end there. Yeah, yeah, he looked uh he looked good yesterday. He um I think he'll be good when he's when he's pitching. I, I don't completely trust him to stay healthy the whole year, but uh yeah, Soroka's good. Um and as far as Tuki goes, I think we've kind of both said it in the past, but I don't really get uh completely get the infatuation with Tuki. He's Seems like he gets a lot of love for a guy that walks as many guys as he does, and I, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't really see it. He got smashed the other day, so he's, who knows? They, they have so many options that it's one of those things they'll probably just rotate in and out, and they're not going to put up with him pitching like that in the rotation. I know that. Could you imagine if they decided to put him in the bullpen in AAA? Called him uh, with what's going on at the back end of their pen with yeah uh, so oh shoot I forgot the guy's name the closer that's out for the year he's Vizcayano Vizcayano's gone what if they put him in the pen and then up and up in the majors back in June or July he could work his way into being a nasty closer at the end of this year yeah yeah and I I could see that the o- the only thing is. I think sometimes teams, and I'm not saying this is completely what they're doing or what they're thinking, but I think sometimes teams are hesitant to just go that route because I feel like a lot of times they think that they've just got to stick with it if they go go that way, you know, make them a reliever. And I don't know if they're ready to do that, but as far as if they should be, I mean, maybe, yeah, because of how many options they have in the rotation. It seems like it would make sense. Being a Cardinals fan, I remember when Trevor Rosenthal was coming up through the minor leagues. I saw him as a starter here in Double A Springfield a few years back, and they had a lot of major league rotation options at that time. To where it didn't seem like that was going to be a guy who was going to work himself into a rotation spot for a while, and they decided to put him in the pen, and that was the right move because he was a really darn good closer there for them for a few years. And I feel. Like this could be a very similar situation. They have so many options. Take your guy who has some control problems, stick him in the pin, and you could have a dominant closer. Yeah, it, I, like I said, I'm I'm with you there. I I don't really get why they wouldn't at least consider that. I mean, he's averaged over four walks per nine all through the minors, so it's kind of tough to. Uh, succeed long-term as a starter when you're doing that. And instead of breaking down all of these injuries individually, moving on to the injuries, because the last few weeks it seems like we've spent a lot of time going over injuries, and I'm talking about each one individual. I lumped them all into one 
blurb here as I was making my show notes. And it doesn't mean that there weren't any fewer injuries. There's been plenty. Aaron Judge, Starling Marte, Austin Meadows, Clint Frazier, Jake DeGrom, all have gone on the injured list in the last week. It looks like DeGrom should be back on Friday after a pretty bad scare, and his MRA came back clean, and they're saying he's going to be back Friday. Marte had a bad crash that resulted in an abdominal wall contusion, but people are sound hopeful he won't be out too long. Frazier has an ankle sprain, but there's a tear in there. The club's hoping he's back in a few weeks, but we'll see. You never know when you have a tear in your tear like that. Austin Meadows also seems to have a timetable that's pretty similar with a thumb injury that he got. But Aaron Judge has the most serious-looking injury with an oblique injury that he when he laced a single into right field. And it doesn't look good for him returning soon. And that Yankee lineup just feels like it's going to be a snake-bit season, doesn't it, Andrew? Stanton, Bird, Hicks, Andrewhar, Judge, Frazier, that's just not fair. Yeah, I, I've never seen, I honestly, and I'm not trying for her hyperbole here, I don't think I've ever seen a team this injured. Have you ever? I can't I was think like, of a lineup. Or that's what I, yeah, like, well, Severino too. Yeah. I mean, Batances is hurt. I mean, this whole entire, I saw the picture, I don't know if you saw that, where it was like the whole baseball diamond and it had the guy in each spot and there, every single one was on the DL. It was like Didi and Andujar and, you know, Bird or whatever. And oh, the whole, it's just, it's so crazy. I, but, I mean, here they are. They, they've won six in a row. It's, like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I, I actually feel like they can still be okay. Yeah. They just need to get these guys back. Like, even if it's one at a time, two at a time, you know, whatever, as it goes. But. Yeah, I don't think that their season is ruined. I, I don't. It's really early. There's a lot of season left, obviously. They're still playing good. Uh, they just, it, it probably over the long haul, obviously, if they were all out long term, it, it would be brutal and they probably would be in trouble. But I don't uh, think that's the case. Stanton should be back, thinking in like a week or so. So. It uh, it may be okay. They should be able to weather it. But yeah, it's just it's crazy how injured they are. I... You're right. I mean, Andahar looked like he was out for the year, and now I think he's possibly going to be doing some extended spring or rehab games here in a bit, and possibly even playing some third base. Judge, he'll be back. It may be a month or two, but that's not something that when he comes back, he should be okay. And um, Hicks, he should be back soon. Stanton. Severino's the only one I'd, I'm a little worried if he'll come back just because of the shoulder stuff. You just never know. But outside of that, yeah, it's amazing that they're 14 and 10 right now and they're hanging in there without all these guys. It, it's an incredible performance by those guys that are still in that lineup and still in that rotation. Yeah, they're getting contributions from like Toshman and Frazier. And it just seems like the next man up thing is, is working. I mean, they're. A lot more uh, productive than you would expect if you said it before the season, like, all these guys are going to be out. You'd be like, no, they're just going to be awful, and they really haven't been. you got to give Brian Cashman some credit. You know, this offseason, it seemed like he was just signing random guys. DJ LeMahieu, 
and Troy Tulowitzki, who I can't, I don't even know if he's back healthy playing right now or not. It probably not just because it's too low, but it just, he, he brought in a lot of depth and that's really helping them right now in terms of just having players that they're able to plug in there. If they hadn't signed the Mayhew, they'd have some serious holes, but you give them credit for that and for building a nice farm system. That's he's had some pitching come up. That's also been able to really be helpful for them. Yeah. Two lows on the IL. Surprise, huh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Insert shocked face here. Yeah. All right. Let's move back to the pirates. Starting shortstop, Eric Gonzalez collided with Marte on Friday, injuring himself. And we've already, I just brought up Marte a moment ago, but this opened the door up for Cole Tucker, who was called up from AAA this past weekend to be the starting shortstop. Tucker, I remember you specifically, Andrew, talking about him on the shortstop podcast. And I think I kind of made fun of you a little bit because I was talking about him being a pirate and thinking we wouldn't see him until 2025. But he's up and he's playing. He had a nice debut on Saturday, hitting a big two-run home run this last weekend. That was the difference in a pirate victory. But also, pull it. Um, Polanco's back. Greg Polanco has returned early this week, and since then I've seen Tucker in the eight hole this pe- since the weekend. I think today he's finally back in the leadoff spot, but he's been in the eight hole with Adam Frazier leading off, and Melky in the two hole, and Polanco in the three hole. Ever since whenever they're all in the lineup, Tucker's been down there at the bottom. Andrew, you and I both discussed Tucker a lot this past weekend in terms of how much fab we'd be willing to spend on him, and we both did at least get one share. But I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty disappointed to have spent 20% of my fab budget on a guy who's hitting in the 8-hole in a pirate offense that doesn't give give much excitement. Yeah, I... um... I just don't I know we had, we talked about this before we started recording a little bit but the pirates just drive me nuts. It's like this kid comes up, he hits a home run in his first game. You can see like the emotion on the field, in the stands, everybody's excited. They clearly aren't an offense that blows you away. So, you know, it's just it's one of those teams. It's like they I feel like they just need a spark. And then, so they bring him up, he does that. And then they put him in the eight hole for three games in a row. That was Saturday. He let off Sunday. And then the last three days he's been in the eight spot. And I don't care who you are. If you're hitting eighth for the pirates, given the context of their team right now, it's going to be hard to get going. You, you would have to be like, an elite type player, which Cole Tucker isn't, but yeah, there's, it's, it's cool that they called him up. At least that's more than you would, you would have expected in the past. So, you know, he's gotten his opportunity and I, uh, I got him in a 12 teamer. I bid about 6%. I bid 60. I got him for 60 out of a thousand. And then in my, uh, one of my 15 teamers, I got him for about 140. I think it was 143. So I didn't bid 20% quite, but one, one 20 team league I did, but he actually went for even more. He went for like 250 something. So, uh, but yeah, I've got a few shares of him. I'm not completely counting on him, but uh, infusion of steals would never hurt anybody. You know, it's just hitting in the eight spot. It's tough. It's, 
I wish they would just let him lead off for like two weeks and just see how it goes, regardless of his production. But he's one for three today. He'll probably be back in the eight spot tomorrow. Yeah, I, we were talking about that earlier, and I said, I don't think there's anything that he could do right now that would ensure him being back in the li- in the leadoff spot tomorrow as long as Adam Frazier is healthy and playing. And that's stupid to say, but, I mean, looking at it, Frazier, if you looking at his season stats right now, 263 batting average, 341 on base, one home run, one, two steals. It's Adam Frazier. It's a, yeah. That's a – just a journeyman who's maybe slightly better than that. But I almost think the pirates just don't want these young kids to succeed. If they have to bring him up before June, if it's a guy of any sort of name value to them, I had Meadows, Austin Meadows. I felt the same way about last year. They called him up in May and he had a fantastic first couple weeks. He was, it wasn't quite to this extreme. He wasn't hitting in the eight hole. But the moment he had a few little struggles and everybody got back healthy, they were ready to send him down. And it wasn't due to performance. It was so that they could get him, bring him up late enough in the year to have that Super 2 status. And they ended up trading him, so it didn't matter. But I think there's part of that here with Tucker. I think they don't want him personally. I really do believe that they may deep down be thinking about if we if he does really well here we may be stuck only being able to give him three years before he gets to arbitration instead of four yeah and see he's not a good enough player i don't think long term for them to worry that much about that it's just it's just, yeah it's just, it's just irritating more than anything i feel like and i had mentioned this to you too it's you know, I know some people would say, well, earn it, you know, hit and earn your way to the top of the lineup. But the, the my counter to that is why, when you put the guy in the eighth spot in the NL in a bad lineup, you're not setting him up that well for success. Like, why not put him one, two with Frazier, you know, if you want Frazier one or two, whatever, and just let him go for a little bit and just see how it goes, you know? Because I feel like sometimes when these teams do that and they just stick to it, the guy works it out and he's he's good. Like it, but if you don't set him up for success, it's it's hard to succeed. I mean, and uh, the Rays that that's a good mention with Meadows too. Like the Rays this year, I mean Meadows hasn't blown anyone's socks off before this season. It's like he hasn't done enough for you to just think oh yeah he should be leading off all the time and what did the Rays do this year they put him at the top of the lineup and look what he's doing obviously until he got hurt but sometimes guys just go with that and if you put them in the right uh right situation and I I just don't feel like they're doing that they did lead him off today but they'll they're I can already tell they're jerking him around it's the Pirates it's what they do wouldn't it even be smarter to do what the Nationals are doing with Robles. And if you're going to hit him at the bottom of the lineup, I mean, the eight hole in the National League is a black hole. Why not just hit him well, right then? Well, the dif- the difference, though, there is look at the hitters at the top of the Nationals lineup. Yes. Oh, yeah. I You know, I it's like... I didn't mean it yeah. in that perspective, but if you're going to ha- hit him in the bottom of the lineup, hit him nine. Just because at least then behind him, you got other guys and you can yeah. free him up to do what he's his skill set allows him to do. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I get that. And I also but, get Robles is better than Cole Tucker. I know that. Yes. I just, it's just the pirates are just 
like they don't have anybody, in my opinion at least, that it's like, wow, like I want to watch that guy, kid or I want to watch that guy. Like they they're just such a blah organization. <laughs> like their players, it's just there's no one that's exciting, and it's like he comes up and does that. And it's like, it's cool to see, you know, because it just doesn't happen with the Pirates that much. And then they just throw him back down in the eighth spot. And they'll probably send him back down to the minors in like a week and a half. And it's just sick. It's just stupid. I mean, uh, I don't They're it. the vanilla ice cream of the Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's, like, I'm looking at their lineup right now for today. And it's just, yeah, he's at the top, but. The whole lineup, it's just like, it's so sad. It's like, just depressing. Uh, to think that a few years ago, they had McCutcheon, Polanco, and Marte all performing at a really high level and other bats around them. And to see it now, it has changed. And I say all that, they're 12 and 10. They're off to an okay start. And maybe that's yeah. part of their logic is they're they're competing right now with Frazier hitting well, even though I think that's slipping the on-base percentage from where it was a week ago. But Melky's hitting okay. They're getting Polanco back, but I'm I'm with you on this. I'd be sticking with the top and give him a chance to sink or swim. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, just for two to three weeks, just let it go. I mean, I don't I don't really get what they have to lose if if they think that they are some kind of serious contender. They're out of their mind. I mean, they're just. They'll fall back. I remember they kind of did this last year, too. They got off to a hot start, and then they ended up in whatever it was, fourth or fifth place. I think it was fourth. Now, let's move this over to Polanco. He's back a month earlier than expected after having shoulder surgery in the offseason. What would you be expecting from him going forward? I do have a share. I grabbed him, I thought, pretty late in the draft and hold league, so I'm pretty happy to have him right now. But what would you be expecting from him? Um, I think he'll be okay. I mean, nothing, nothing too exciting, but I think he'll be, he'll be solid. I mean, he's probably their best hitter. I mean, or close to it. I, I, uh, I've never really been a Polanco guy, but I think that's just because the, when he came up, it was, a fair amount of hype and I just feel like he's never delivered on it and people have been expecting him to oh like this is the year for Gregory Polanco I can't I feel like we've been doing that forever and uh I don't really think that but yeah he's he's fine I mean he's he'll be in there and you know a little bit a little bit of pop and speed you know he's he'll do what he does but it's nothing not gonna be anything crazy he was actually pretty good last year as I'm digging a little more right now yeah he was he was good last year he um 130 games which going back to vladimir guerrero that's exactly what i said let's just assume he plays 130 games he hit 254 but that was with a batting average on balls and play at 287 actually it seems like he's a low bat guy in general so that that probably is realistic but 23 home runs 12 steals 81 rbi and 75 runs that's pretty good thinking about what i was projecting for vlad jr which higher batting average but no steals but if you told me vlad was going to do all that without the steals and with a higher batting average that's i'd take that and that's not bad from polanco no it's not bad at all he had a good year i don't think he's 
going to have that type of home run power again, but just let it play out. No, that's fair. I'm going to look at his home run to fly ball ratio and his rates right now. And it was only 13.8%, the home run to fly ball ratio. Wow. 48% of his balls were hit in the air last year. 33% on the ground. That's pretty crazy. Okay, let's move on to Corbin Burns, my favorite player to talk about in the early going, and maybe this will be the last time I talk about him for a while. He was officially demoted to AAA this past week, and as a dynasty owner, I was pretty happy to hear this, as I was worried he'd end up in the pen. And I think he's too good for that in that organization for them to keep him in the bullpen. So I honestly thought this was good news for him. Yeah, it could be good. Just uh, just have to wait and see. I mean, they they kind of had to do something, but he was also getting brutally unlucky. I know that's not something that sometimes the organizations look into, but what was the stat that I sent you to look at? Was a it home run to fly ball? Yeah, yeah. It was like 59% or something. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 57.9% or something like that, which is home run to fly ball. So obviously it's some of it is just, it's just bad luck, but he's obviously not this bad. Well, I'll, there's a couple stats here that say it was 57% home run to fly ball rate, 404 batting average and balls on play against him. Oh, that's pretty bad, but this also is bad luck, I should say, but this here is not good either. His hard contact rate against was 51.7%. Whew. You don't see that often, and that's the... I think he just was getting too much of the plate. He's got to learn how to pitch to major leaguers. And I was going to add that I do think he'd be a great dynasty by low guy right now. I said on last week's episode that this feels similar to Jose Barrios and his first run in the majors, how rough it was. And I think he'll turn the corner. I really do. I think he turned and Barrios turned into a solid number two pitcher. And I could see Burns being that as soon as next year. I really could as he's, had a taste of the majors now, and he's going down to the minors. We'll hopefully get himself right down there. As hopefully this was a learning experience for him this first month. Yeah, I mean, in a 14% swinging strike rate and 12 Ks per nine so far. I mean, I know obviously a small sample, but that's awesome. I mean, that's right there with like Flaherty, Strasburg, Marquez. I mean, it's really good. So some of that. Stuff will correct over time. It's just like I've said with these some of these young guys, they don't always get the chance to correct it. It's like you play bad for a short stretch, you get sent down, you lose playing time. It, it feels like that's almost kind of the theme right now. I mm-hmm. I feel like anybody that isn't proven, if they're bad in like I'm talking like a three or four game, it's it's crazy how small it's getting of a sample, but if they're failing in that short opportunity, they lose the opportunity. And it's, it's, uh, it's maddening when it's the guy that you need or you want to, to do it. It, It's definitely maddening, but yes, Colorado Rockies have seemed like they've been doing that to players for the last few years. And it seems to be happening more and more as this is a, League where if you're not performing right now, especially when you're under team control, we'd rather just send you down and delay that clock on you a little more and have you up whenever you're actually contributing. I think there is some of that to it. I think it's just a 
we're in a time where you've got to perform now also we're just in a, a immediacy or whatever i can't think of the exact word i'm trying to say but you just got to do it now or they're going to move on without you because they have yep. other guys trying all right let's move over to the cardinals uh there's a couple starter reliever news going on with them and they've got two bits and two pieces of news that came out this past week Alex Reyes has been moved back to the AAA Memphis rotation for the Memphis Redbirds. The front office said that this isn't a definitive sign of things to come for him when he comes back to the bigs, but they were going to roll him with him as a starter down there so he could kind of get a little bit more of a pattern and just basically be, be a little more like he's used to in terms of he's used to pitching every five days and this is allowing him to do it. And he made his first start over the weekend and he didn't disappoint if I'm remembering correctly, I haven't looked this up, but I think it was something like four innings with one hit, one walk, no runs, and five strikeouts. And that's a pretty nice bounce back for him compared to what he was doing in the pen before. Yeah. I hope they can just get him up and get him in the rotation. It'll be fun to watch. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen soon, too. I Part of me wonders if he's just one of those guys that does not feel comfortable coming in the pen. He's used to pitching. He's a young guy. He's used to pitching every five days when he does pitch because that's not been the case for the majority of the last three years. But I think there might be something to that. And he just wasn't comfortable coming out of the pen. And he was so dominant last year in those rehab starts coming back from TJ. Probably the best rehab starts I've ever seen from somebody coming back from Tommy John surgery. Now that I think about it, I tell you what, you have to have a special kind of patience to have patience with Alex Reyes. (laughs) It it is like, just this guy has been, I mean, how long have we waited? I am just, I'm just thinking about, I've, you know, I've thought about it and thinking about it now too. It just feels like he's been an awesome prospect, like an Uber prospect forever. And he still to this day has not pitched well in the major leagues, really. Like he hasn't, he's been up for, you know, short bursts, but he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. And I still think that he will, but it's like, Oh my, the, the patience that has been required with this guy has been, and then it's always in the back of your mind, like you kind of wonder too. I, I do slightly wonder, but I think he'll probably be awesome. It's just it's damn, been a long it's been wait. forever. Yeah, it's just been such a long wait. And I try not to be a homer. I am a Cardinals fan, I, but I still can't get that rehab start I saw out of him last May out of my head here in Springfield, Double A Springfield. It was the most incredible f- pitching I've ever seen. It was. I was sitting right behind home plate. And was that the one? Was that the one where he had like the thirteen Ks? Were you at that one? I don't remember, but probably. I mean, I, it seemed like every one of his starts was like that there at, in the minors. He went like yeah. seven and two thirds, I think, or something like that. Despite being on a rehab start because he was so efficient, hitters had no chance, and he was striking everybody out. There was uh, there was one of those games. Oh, yeah, it was every game. I'm looking at the game log from last year. One of those games, and I don't know which one it was because they all look the exact same. He had five innings, 12 Ks, seven and two-thirds, 13 Ks, seven seven innings, 13 Ks. 
back to back to back over like a 10 day stretch. But yep. one of those games I watched and I almost, and it was crazy. I think it was the 13, one of the 13 K ones. And I, um, I almost want to say that you were at the one that I was watching. Cause I know we had, we're talking, but I don't remember. I, I don't think you were watching the sure. AAA start. I think you were watching the AAA start. I remember you telling me that. Maybe, maybe, yeah, it could be, it could be. But but yeah, yes, ridiculous. Yeah, seven and two thirds innings at the game I was at. One hit, three walks, thirteen strikeouts. Pitch count: ninety three pitches in those seven and two thirds yeah. innings. Yeah, I think it was the AAA one that I watched. The last one that because he went up the ladder and then it was like basically one start at each spot. They had no chance, those hitters, against him. Yeah, Every time he sick. dropped that curveball, I don't think there was a single curveball he threw that game where the batters swung. They were just buckled because of the 98-mile-an-hour fastball they yeah. were seeing to go with it. They had no chance. Yeah, and, it, and then like I said, it's just like we see all this, and it's like you just want him to do it in the majors. Yep. And it just seems like every possible thing that has stopped him is stopping him. <laughs> it's... Like, come on already, you know? Yep. But, yeah, I still think it'll probably happen. It's just you always have a slight doubt until it does. These struggles early this year and them going slow with him, I honestly think it's a good thing because he does have an innings limit this year. They don't want him throwing 180 innings, probably even 160 innings. Yeah. To where this is probably a good thing that all this is happening because it's allowing them to not use him much right now, which should allow them to – let the reins off a little better in the second half of the year. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of reins and trying to keep innings down because of health and everything else, Carlos Martinez will move to, and the Cardinals announced earlier this week that he's going to return as a relief pitcher. And given that Hicks is pitching well in the ninth inning right now, I, I personally don't think I want any part of Carlos Martinez in any redraft format, maybe even Dynasty. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Nope, same thing. I want nothing to do with them. I don't uh, agree. If with it was, their logic I guess here. if, I guess if it was a, a dollar bid or pickup or something where it didn't cost anything, maybe you just sit him there and see what happens. But I'm not really interested in him. No, it'd have to be a really re- deep redraft. I think you could get him for pretty cheap, and I'm guessing he's been cut a lot in a lot of leagues this week, and he's out there in a lot of leagues, but. I think I'd probably rather have other guys. I'd rather take a prospect that's sitting out there at this point. Maybe maybe Carlos Martinez come, gets back in that rotation at some point. But if they do, they're still going to have to send him back down to build up arm strength. And I don't even know if he can hold up. I don't think I want any part of him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Now we'll move on to a call-up. Michael Chavis? Chavis? How do you say his name? Do you know? I think it's Chavis. Michael Chavis. I was thinking the same, and then I was listening to a podcast this week where he was called Chavis, I think. It threw me off. But he was recalled from AAA after news broke last week that Pedroia was going back on the DL. I know he started a couple games in second base, and he think he had a start at third, or at least he was supposed to start at third, I think, on Monday when they were rained out. And if I heard you right, Andrew, I think he had his first home run on Tuesday night. How interested are you in him? just kind of so-so I mean I think it's another situation where if he's just bad I mean they're not gonna like these other young guys they're gonna 
move on from it. I don't really expect him to hit for a good average and no speed. So, But I, I do think he has pretty legit power. I will say that. So if you need power. And the nice thing with him is um, he may qualify at some point, as long as he sticks long enough, he may qualify at second and third here soon, which is kind of a nice combination because he's been playing second. He's in the lineup actually at second tonight, and uh, he already qualified at third. So, good yeah. power, good power, and good lineup. I mean, and and if he if he gets on like a little bit of a roll here, I think he'll stick for a while. But if he doesn't, you know, it's like total opposite. And and it's really to me, it's power and not a lot else. I don't think there's speed, and I I don't think he's going to hit for average. No, I don't think i get too excited i just don't see him being a successful big leaguer right-handed power bat with not good contact not great contact not high average that just feels like a guy who's on the wrong side of a platoon is what it feels like a steve pierce level player maybe if things break right but i'm not too excited if you want to grab him for cheap and see if he sticks great i don't know if you're in a 15 team league if he's probably already taken by now but maybe in a 12 team he's still out there i don't know yeah, I can't remember. I think he got picked up in my one twelve team run. I'm pretty sure. Probably worth a little bit of a flyer, even then in the league like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I think he's worth a flyer for because sure. you never know. You catch lightning in a bottle with some of these guys. You never know. Exactly. I thought Fernando Tatis before the year was going to struggle, but we'll talk about him in a little while. Uh, Brad Osmus announced on Wednesday that Cody Allen is no longer the closer after pitching to a 5.4 ERA and a 1.56 whip in the first month. This doesn't surprise too many after having a pretty rough year last year. It seemed like Ty Buttry was going to be the leading candidate for the job, but I was looking at box scores last night. I fell asleep pretty early and he was out there throwing in the seventh, eighth and ninth innings yesterday, blowing an angels lead in the seventh and then getting a loss in the ninth inning. Bedrosians held the gig a few years back, Andrew. There's a few other guys that are out there that could be in line for saves. Are you taking a shot on any of these guys trying to get them for cheap? Uh, maybe Bautre, but this pen doesn't excite me at all. I hate Cody Allen, by the way. I just can't stand him. <laughs> I think I remember you making yeah. that pretty clear on the Reliever podcast, I, too. I owned him last year, and I watched him a lot, and it's just – He's so hard to watch. And I just pulled up his page. He's walking everyone. It's like the guy is just, he's hard to watch. <laughs> it's just tough. But, yeah, I just, I don't really like their their pen. I don't see anybody that sticks out. Obviously, somebody's going to probably uh, take the gig. If I, had to, if I had to pick one right now, I would take Butchery. But it's kind of like a situation like this. It's all kind of fluid. It's just whoever got the last save or two you know it's kind of what you have to go it's kind of what you have to go with i was just looking them up in their standings because i really didn't know what their record was nine and 16 pretty rough because i was thinking well maybe if they're hanging in there right now that's a team that could go after kimbrell but if you're nine and 16 probably it's not a wise investment to go draft a closer pick up a closer that's a bad team man yeah that's a bad team with the best player on the planet and a bad team. yeah yeah, it's sad. Well, at least Mike Trout has 13 or 12 more seasons where maybe it'll turn around. Yeah. 
I hope uh, we deserve him in the playoffs, but yes, we might he's be such wait, a great we might dude. Be waiting a little bit. He's such a great ambassador for the game, and he just seems like a great guy. It'd just be awesome to see him win. It really would. Yeah. Gio Gonzalez, he's back with the Brewers after using his opt-out clause with the Yankees last weekend. He's going to make $2 million on a one-year Major League contract with the Brewers. Hard to believe that he's making that little right now, given just a few years ago he was pitching at a pretty good level. Uh, The Brewers need pitching, so this feels like a fit to me, Andrew. Are you interested in grabbing him if he's out there still? No, not really. I don't think he, I mean, the Brewers need him because the other Brewers starters aren't good. Yeah. But, I mean, they're pitching, like we mentioned it the last time. They're a pretty good team, I feel like, but their starting pitching is a disaster. I mean, and Gio Gonzalez isn't going to fix it. But I guess short term he could, you know, have some – luck bounce his way and be all right but i mean he could also be horrible his his if you have him in fantasy his whip will kill you it's yeah i don't i don't see anything there i'm not interested you know looking at the stats right now who he almost reminds me of a little bit is except he's not quite as good as his true pomerantz kind of reminds me very similar at this stage of their game walks a lot of guys strikes some guys out not elite always Bounces around on ERA and his whip's always terrible. Yeah, his whip, his whip. He is a definition of whip killer, man. Yes, I've never been a fan of his because of whips. I've always wanted guys who, especially established pitchers, I want guys who have good whips. And he's never been a whip guy. Never. I think he had. I think he had a year, a couple of years ago, where it might have been okay. But other yeah. than that, other than I, that, it's been bad. Yep. I think it was 2011 or yeah, so. Yeah, no, two two years ago. Two, two, it was one, uh, 1.18 two years ago. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah, and I remember that year I was like, yeah, it's, it's just it, – but it, that's an outlier. I mean, the other four years around that, one, 1. 1.42, 1. 1.34, and 1.44. Yuck. It's awful. That is terrible. And what's not terrible is Casey Mize. We're going to go the prospect route here. And after a ridiculously hot start to Mize's season in high A, he's being called up to double A. This is after throwing 26 innings in high A with 25 strikeouts and one walk. So for these, for you keeping score, that's a 25 to one strikeout to walk rate with a 0.35 ERA. I was reading Ralph Liftshit's tweets on Twitter and I've heard podcasts where he's been on, and he's really been talking up Mize and his presence on the mound and prospect rankings everywhere. He's moving up right now. So here's my question for you, Andrew. If we were doing our subdrafts today that we did in February, is Mize moving up with his strong performance, or are you kind of leaving him where he was? Uh, I would probably not move him up much. I, I mean – Look, I, I get it if you want to. Like, if somebody wanted to take Mize, one of those guys, you know, that's that's fine, like, knowing what we know now. I mean, I, I understand it. I probably wouldn't move him up ahead of the hitters that I had ahead of him 
based on 26 innings in a ball, but that's just me, you know, and not, not everybody has to go that route. If you're impressed, I don't blame you. He looks awesome, but it's a pitcher and we've, we've said what we've said on that, you know, and that I'm just, I would still take the hitters for the most part. I don't have all the names in front of me, but I, I think pretty much the hitters I would have taken ahead of him in my sub drafts, I would still probably take ahead of them. Most of them anyways. And I was take, and for the record, I was taking Mize ahead of Kikuchi in the sub drafts anyways. Mm-hmm. And I, yes, I would still do that too. So your two big guys you were huge on that you were jumping on in first rounds of fan and your sub drafts were Xavier Edwards and Marco Luciano. So if the Mize owner came to you and asked, right no, now, I would no, I would not trade those guys for no. Wow. No. Well, I'm nope. I agree with you on the whole prospect pitchers and staying away from them and maybe i'm taking the bait here but i think i would was thinking about this this afternoon and just listening to what people are saying about him my god it's a risky thing to do to be taking prospect pitchers because he could end up having tommy john surgery tomorrow you just never know but well i I do i will say i do think he can be special i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't feel like i'm crapping all over him when i say this you know it's just like i am not going to move him up too much i mean we haven't seen any of luciano yet or you know a little bit of edwards but um yeah like let's let's see how he does in double a and i i think he'll be good it's not even that it's just uh you know it's a pitcher but yeah i get it if you think he's a stud and you like him i mean there's no reason not to he's been great after listening to the people that have seen him i think i would take him number two right now and i would consider number one over india i think i'm to that point and so let it be known here on the podcast i justin hughes i love casey mize and andrew hates him yeah right (laughs) false i'm just i'm just kidding (laughs) Okay. No, yeah, he he is good, and I I don't blame anybody for uh, completely uh, buying it, buying high on a guy like that. I mean, it it definitely looks good. I'm I'm really curious to see how he does now moving up because yes, there's know, a big difference between high oh, A and double A. It's a big huge jump. difference. It's the biggest jump besides triple A to the majors. So, okay, Andrew, we're gonna move over to some Facebook group questions, and I thought you had a really good one that I thought I'd bring here. You asked the question on the Baseball 365 Facebook group, which players changed your mind the most, good or bad, since the season started? Neither of us actually put our input in on this question, and I thought this would be a good one to bring to the podcast. I think that was what my comment was. This would make for a great podcast discussion. Andrew, I thought I'd, I decided to do one good one and one bad one. So I don't know if you've got one for each or not, but... I'll just start off and go with my good one. And that's the same one Ray Wright said on the group. And that's Fernando Tatis. I thought he was called up too early by the Padres when he would only played 102 games above a ball last year. Actually, I think he got a little bit in in 2017 and then played 88 games, if I recall right, in double A, I think I remember. 
And when I heard this was happening, that he was called up, I thought he'd struggle and would be, he'd probably be back in the minors by now. I legit believe that. Man, I was wrong. 291 batting average, six home runs, and four steals in 22 games. That is a heck of a lot better than I was expecting. And while he's still striking out 28% of the time in the majors, it's impressive to me that he's done this well. And I still think regression should come from what he's done so far, but now I believe he's here to stay. That's my pick. Do you have one, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, there's several. One that I will admit I was a little lower on, and he's been crazy awesome, is Pete Alonso. I know that he was an elite prospect, and I get all that, but I didn't expect him to just come up to the majors and just seamlessly mash everything in sight. And that's exactly what he's doing. So he would probably be one that sticks out. Uh, guys like Christian Walker and Brandon Lau, I'm impressed with too. Um, more, you know, more than I expected. So I guess you could say that. And yeah, Tatis too, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say that I thought he would be back in the minors, but I didn't think he would be doing this. So, yeah, all those guys. Alonzo's a real good answer for you. I, I don't think you said as much on the podcast, but privately as we were talking about dynasty startups that we were both doing, I could tell you weren't as high on him as the field. So that's yeah, a great I, yeah I definitely wasn't. And like I said, I, knew, I know he's been a highly – touted prospect i know he's hitting the upper minors and all of that but and and i wouldn't even say that i would have been surprised if he would have just come up and like held his own but he's done way more than that i mean he's he's just totally mashing is his barrel rate i was looking at uh on uh baseball savant like some of the hard contact stuff and it's like right there at the top of the league. Like he's just crushing everything. It's insane. And I feel like every time I watch him, like one of his at-bats, even his outs are loud. Like he's just hitting everything hard. He's just smashing everything. So, yeah, he'd probably be my main one. But, yeah, he's just crushing everything. It's it's cool to see. He's definitely uh, – I think I mentioned it in the chat the other day – We've missed some calls, but uh, Paddock and Alonzo is our rookie of the year picks, and the NL is looking real good right now because those yeah. two are those two are just going crazy. I don't remember any of our other predictions we made, so I, as far <laughs> as I know, we're a hundred percent on all of those. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Kristen Yelich was going to hit 50 home runs this year. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. We'll move on to the negative, and I thought of a few guys, but I thought you might pick them. I thought I'd leave them for you, and I went with Chris Bryant here. As I know, I was higher on him than you, Andrew, before the season. I thought the shoulder injury was going to be behind him. He'd be back to mashing at the 2017 level. I think I gave it the Bryce Harper comparison where just some rest and he's going to be okay. And get back to that 2017 level, which was the year after he won MVP. I think he hit something like 29 home runs in 150 games, something like that. I owned him that year. I think I traded for him in a dynasty league that year, actually. But instead, 20 games in, he has one home run, one steal, and a 230 batting average. 
and his medium contact rate, this was the thing that really scared me, it's an absurd 60% right now, which means he just isn't getting a hold of many pitches. I was all about buying low on him after last season. I thought that was a great idea to approach to do in dynasty leagues, but I'm not sure I'd be advocating for that right now. Yeah, aside from OBP, I feel like I've kind of said my piece on Bryant. I hope he uh, picks it up. But uh, as far as mine, like just guy that I've changed my mind on negatively, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I was way off on Cedric Mullins. Like this guy is, he's just terrible. I mean, he's, he's just so terrible. He's just been so bad. And I don't feel like it's going to get any better now. He's in the minors. So obviously that's, it's just such a mess. The guy's been awful. And, and I, and I do, and there's some of them that have been bad that I'm like, oh, they'll pick it up or, you know, it's just, it's only been a few weeks, you know, they'll be okay. But, I don't even have that feeling at all with him. I, I don't know if he'll ever even get there at this point. It's, and it sucks because it hasn't been that long. But on a t- when a team like Baltimore is, has you slated to lead off and then has you hitting ninth and then has you in the minors, I mean, that kind of just says it all right there. Yes. You're the Baltimore Orioles and you're saying you're not good enough to make our major league squad right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, that it's, sucks. it's just really bad. The good news is most people that have them didn't have much invested. Right. That's the good yeah, news. that's the other, that's the other thing is it's not like it ruined any of my teams. I mean, where I have him, I well, one I've I've cut him where I in redrafts pretty much. I I don't think I have any redrafts shares left, and um, those it wasn't like you invested a high pick or anything, so that's okay. Dynasty, it wasn't like you pay a lot for him, and like I said earlier, you probably just hang on to him. But it, it's just he's been he's been so bad. There's probably a couple other ones that I've maybe changed my mind on a little bit, but not that I um, changed my mind on this. But shout out to all the Nick Castellanos fan club. Zero home runs. <laughs> <laughs> One stolen base and a two forty seven batting average with a three with a three fifty one Babbitt. Oh my word. Yes. Yuck. Yep. Well, hopefully you don't have shares in Nick Castellanos. I know you and I don't. We weren't too high on him going into the year, but there were some that were. Oh, there's plenty that were. And I'll go a little fourth wall here. I suggested to you, Andrew, to take some notes on things you saw while watching baseball that we could should discuss here just throughout the week so we wouldn't forget it. I've been trying to do that the last few weeks when I see something interesting, just put it in the notes. And uh, some of them we're going to mention here, I think, that we've mentioned above, and some we're going to mention on part two that we're going to record later. But I'll and I'll post tomorrow. But one of the things I thought I'd add here is you mentioning tactics when setting your lineups in terms of putting players in early games and the more prominent slots. Why don't you explain what you're referring to here, Andrew? No, it was just something I had thought of this week that I just figured I would mention. Um, So one thing I do, and I I kind of do it obsessively, I'll admit, is I go through, you know, and I, I set my lineups. Most of my league or all my leagues are weekly or um, like the twice a week hitting where you can sub 
pitchers or hitters Monday to Thursday and then Friday to Sunday. Pitchers are generally weekly. I do have one where you can sub pitchers for the weekend to a redraft league. But what I like to do is, you know, you set your lineup and then I will put it. Generally, the players will lock when their games start. And I just think that a small thing you can do to help your team is to put the guys that lock first into like if it's a first baseman and if you have two first basemen, you're playing one at first and one at corner, put the one that locks first in the first base slot. You never know when something's going to come up or a guy is banged up or there's questions as to, you know, who's going to play. I had an instance in one of them this week where I did that. I set it up and I had Freddie Galvis in my utility spot because he didn't lock until Tuesday evening and Tuesday evening rolls around a couple hours before he was going to lock. And I see that he's not in the lineup. Well, he was the only one or not the only one he was. If, if I didn't have him in the utility spot and I had him in the middle infield slot or a shortstop slot, I wouldn't have been able to sub him out. And I subbed him out and put in a, put in somebody else but i wouldn't have been able to do that if i didn't do it that way just stuff like that it's kind of like for anybody who plays fantasy football it's like using your flex position on a thursday night you just don't do it and i do that with baseball too i always look at i don't let it affect who i'm gonna start i never do that but i always will lock in those less versatile spots earlier and leave like my utility and my corner and middle infield slots open as much as I can. So just something to just something I wanted to kind of throw out there. And I I feel like it may not, it may not affect you or matter 90% of the time, but if it helps you in a few instances, you know, you never know the difference that could make. So I think that applies even more to daily leagues. Last year, I was competing in my dynasty, and that was a daily league, and I was doing that exact same thing there because you have guys that just sit every day that you don't expect to, maybe in the night games, and if you have an afternoon game, and you got, I had like Alex Bregman, who was at third base shortstop, so I could put him at third base shortstop, corner infield, middle infield, and there were times I had him in utility because I had a really, really good roster on that team. And you, a lot of times I had him usually plugged into utility, but if he was playing in the afternoon, I'd make sure I got him into third base or shortstop so that that way I wasn't burning up a utility slot in case one of those other guys was sitting. I'd be able to put them in utility and get, or get them on my bench and get somebody else up there, maybe an yeah. outfielder that I wouldn't have been able to do if I maybe started him at util. Yeah, it helps. it helps in situations where – like if you're waiting on news on someone, you know, like guys off on Monday, because Monday a lot of times teams don't play, you know, half the teams maybe or whatever. There is an off day. Monday and Thursdays are common off days. So, uh, But if the guy like doesn't play till Tuesday and you're waiting on news, they're not going to give you news on Monday morning for a guy that isn't playing until Tuesday, unless it's serious news like he's going on the – IL or he's definitively out. But if it's like questionable, 
they're not going to make that call until right before the game. So if you have a spot open that's more flexible, it's it's kind of uh, it's just a an, a small edge that you can create for yourself. I feel like. Yeah, agreed. That's good info for the guys who are listening. Who we're trying to give you all all kinds of different information and things that could help your team. And I think that's really good advice that can really help. Just if you're paying attention, doing the, some of those little things, it could. There are instances where it could be used to your advantage that maybe somebody else isn't doing and hurts them. Right. And and like I said, there's no reason not to do it. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do it? You know. So finally, I thought we'd talk about ads and drops for the week. I'm trying to get this in there each week because there are transactions that we're making, sometimes good ones, sometimes bad ones. Sometimes we're cutting guys, letting guys loose that we've been hanging on to, and sometimes we're picking up a guy that hopefully will help us. But, Andrew, if you, besides Cole Tucker, we talked about him. Were there any other big fab bids that you made or any other ads that you made this week that you have some hope in? Uh, no real big ones. I, I did get, uh, Eric Swanson in a couple leagues. He didn't pitch that good the other night. Hopefully pitches better Sunday. And I got, uh, I picked him up in a couple leagues too. He pitches against, uh, I think the Marlins tomorrow. So hopefully, uh. That doesn't blow up in my face, but there's always that chance, I guess. But no, nothing too major. Cole Tucker was my main one this week. Did get him in a few spots and had him in a draft and hold already. So what about you? Anybody you uh, you got? Yes, I Tucker, and this is the one where I'm, I look really smart. I picked up Homer Bailey in th- all three of my leagues this week. Homer had a nice run in the last few weeks, and it got ugly for him right after I picked him up on Tuesday night against the Rays. He allowed four runs in one inning and was out after that, destroying my ERA and whips everywhere. All three, I have, I'm in four leagues, and one of them's a draft and hold, so I couldn't pick up Homer Bailey. I got him in all three other leagues, and he was in my lineup. So, if you're wondering why I'm doing poorly, it's because of moves like that. <laughs> But yeah, yeah that's ugh. He, I everything underlying when I looked him up, looked at him in his stats. I'm like, huh, this looks like he's doing this. Doesn't look like a fluke. He's p- striking guys out, not walking many. Maybe he's finally regaining some of that form from what forever ago when he was good, but not a good first start. But oh. I also picked up oh Sean Kelly for Texas because. Um, oh shoot! Who, what's their closer's name? Jose Leclerc. Leclerc. Yep. Yeah, he's had a really rough go in the early going of the season. So Kelly seems like he might be the next guy in line. And I'm, I was high on him a few years ago in Washington, and he did get a brief bit with that gig and didn't do well. So it could easily go that way again if he got it. But I took him for a couple bucks, and I think I spent like ten, twenty bucks on him in a thousand dollar fab just in case he grabs that job. Trying to be a little early on it, but who knows? We'll see. Man, there there is nothing I hate more than when you spot start a pitcher and they blow up your ratios. Like mm-hmm. it's just the worst because for one, you spent some fab on them, whether it's a lot or a little. It obviously it's just case by case, but uh 
And it's not a guy you normally roster. Like, I would rather have my ace get smoked. And then yeah. it's like, I can just deal with it, you know? But when you've got a guy that, I mean, I've, I've, had, I've made that mistake with two start pitchers so many times. I actually, this week in Roto Masters 2, I picked up Wade Miley because he was a two-start pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't been too bad. And I, and I didn't start him. I, I thought more about it after I, I bid just a few bucks. It was nothing, nothing major, but, um, I got him and I, like my options are pretty good, but they were all one start guys and it was just kind of limited. And I, I tell you, I looked at that for so long, like, do I get cute here and do it? And I didn't do it. He, he actually pitched decent. He got kind of blown mm-hmm. up in the, he got kind of blown up in the first inning and then he settled down and pitched pretty good. But I did actually pitch him in one other league, but my options aren't as good in that league. So I was a little more forced to, but, uh, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. Like if, if he, I, I was just picturing me using him and him over the course of the two starts, giving up 13 runs or something. And just, I can't, I can't handle that. I just hate it. Miley. I have him in, my dynasty startup that I did this year, it's a wins plus quality starts league and going to Houston, I thought, well, it's worth a flyer. And he's been a whole, had a whole lot of five or six innings and two or three runs allowed so far. He's not really blown up any of the games. He doesn't get many strikeouts, hardly any, but he's been okay so far. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, we still put in a quality show despite having a two parter this week. Andrew, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Any final words? No, we'll probably uh, record that other one here pretty soon. So, yeah, I'm- but yeah, no, nothing much. Excited for uh, excited for Vladdy Day tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> hopefully you don't have somebody coming in to buy a car tomorrow at about six o'clock because that yeah. wouldn't be good. You you might have to be like, you know what. This commission's good, but I, I, yeah. I think, can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you could really do that, but. If there's still. a way, if there's a way I could avoid it, I would avoid it. Put it yeah. that way. We're running a special tomorrow. A hundred dollars yeah. off. I will give you a hundred dollars out of my own pocket if you come back tomorrow. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, let's get out of here. I appreciate you guys and take care, everybody. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.